Hey, welcome back. Super special guest today for you on the podcast, my mum, Cheryl. She was recently heading off overseas on a holiday, and before she left, we caught up for lunch, and I had my podcast kit at work, so took the opportunity to grab a meeting room to record this. It's a great story. I hold an amazing amount of respect for my mum, and when you listen to her story, you're going to understand why. She talks about a lot of things, including her complete life transformation through the power of God, some miraculous healings, deliverance from suicidal thoughts, and an amazing miracle that sounds a little bit like it belongs back in Egypt with the plagues and the children of Israel. It's pretty cool stuff. Just a quick warning, though, about the content. There's a section where suicide is referenced. We obviously believe in the ability for God to heal all manner of physical, emotional, and mental illnesses. However, if you need immediate help regarding suicide or mental health, then please contact Beyond Blue Support Service via phone on 1300 22 46 36 or visit beyondblue.org.au or contact Lifeline on 131114 or visit lifeline.org.au. Both of these services are available 24-7. Okay, on with the chat with mum. So my testimony and your testimony are linked very closely together. True. So let's start back at the very beginning when I was just a little tacker. All right. So So who was Cheryl back then? Cheryl back then was a very unhappy, probably severely depressed person. Mm-hmm. Um, you were four years old and your sister was 18 months old and we had got married, your father and I, just before he went to Vietnam. We'd known each other since we were about 15 and so uh, he was 20. And you were similar age? Yep, six months younger. We had gone together on and off for those five years and then we got back together again before he went to Vietnam. So by the time he came back, you were around. So how... How long was he gone for? I think it was 10 or 11 months, I'm not quite sure. I was still at my parents' house um, and then I moved out to Elizabeth just before he got home. So the first few years, they were a bit rocky. He was involved in a few other things that I didn't really know about Um, and then eventually he got involved with bikies and so uh, things were pretty messed up and I was pretty messed up mentally Um, and I was on the verge of uh, committing suicide because I just thought uh, there's no way I can put up with too many more years of this. So what was happening? What promoted that? Just the mind stuff, I think. I think he was just messing with my mind a fair bit. Um, He had the ability to be able to tell me that black was white and white was black and I would be so trusting and believing that I would take that on. And so I wasn't really relying on my own feelings about things. I was relying on what he was telling me. And so, you know, like if he come home drunk and late and whatever, and he told me it was my fault that he went out and got drunk, I basically took that on board. And so, yeah, it was just messing my mind around a fair bit, I think, and that's probably why I got to the stage where, yeah, I just wasn't functioning in a good level. Not that anybody knew. So you parents didn't know nobody knew no nobody knew so I was planning 
I knew I couldn't leave my two valuable children behind because I know they wouldn't have been looked after properly, so I was planning on taking them with me. So by taking us with you, that yes. was... You, yes. were, you were thinking about committing suicide and that yes. was part of that plan. I was actually planning it. I was just starting to plan the best way of doing it. Yeah. So at that stage, though, just before that, I was starting to listen to religious people um, because I just thought there's got to be more to life than what I'm going through, and if there is, I want to know about it. But And I listened to the ones that came to your front door, and as much as they seemed reasonable people, they couldn't really give me anything to go on. And I was reading their books, and I was also reading books on all sorts of other spiritual things. I was pretty interested in satanic stuff as well. And so everything that you read basically just gendered more questions. Never gave you any answers, it just gendered more questions. Did you have some sort of poster up in our lounge room? Yeah, I had a big poster of Satan commanding his... I should remember that. (laughs) So I must have been about four or five years old. Well, you would have been because I got rid of it after I came to the Lord, so... Yeah, I actually remember that. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It wasn't good stuff for your mind, but yeah. So that's what happened. Um, With listening to all these different people, they never gave any answers either. So nothing was really giving any answers. And then apparently it was the husband who thought his mate had dropped in to see a lady that lived a couple of doors away from her, which was um, Evelyn Smale. And he got witness to, he got told about the gospel. And he come home kind of saying to me that, well, they really knew their style. So who was this? Evelyn Smile. Right. Um, and the next day she came around with her daughter, Lynette, and preached the gospel to me. And I just said, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. But I didn't quite believe it. Um, but anyway, it was enough to encourage me to go along to a meeting. And I, um, I went to a meeting. It was only at Elizabeth in those days. This was back in 1975. Um, So on the Sunday, it was kind of... I was a bit lazy and I was a bit depressed, so I was debating whether to go to the meeting or not, and I eventually went to the meeting. And I was really quite impressed. I was really impressed by the people that I saw there. I was impressed by the fact that they had something that was binding them together um, that I'd never seen anywhere else. What did you see in people that... I don't know. I mean, a lot of people say when they come along, they just see people that are really happy. I think it was their peace. Mm. Of course, that's what I was looking for was the peace. So I could see their peace, but I could see that they really had something that was unifying them, uh, which I'd never seen anywhere else. So I was impressed by the first meeting. Um, I wasn't sure I believed everything they said, but I did go home and I did make sure that whatever I heard and whatever was told to me, that I looked it up in my own Bible. And even looking it up in my own Bible, I still couldn't understand, like fathom it. I could see that speaking in tongues was there. I could see that um, full immersion baptism was in there. And uh, I even remember one time the Jehovah's Witnesses came around on a Sunday and they were trying to tell me it was of the devil and I just happened to open up the Bible and it just opened up, I think, to 1 Corinthians 14 where it was talking about speaking in tongues and um, I just said, oh, look, look at this, look, it's here, look. And they couldn't, they couldn't deny it and, um, and they said, look, we'll go away and find out about it and so they went away but by the time they come back the next week I'd actually received the Holy Spirit in that week yeah, right. and when they come to the door I just said, you can't tell me anything. I said, I've just received the Holy Spirit. I know it's true. It's really true. 
and so I was on my path. But it took me a while to receive the Spirit. It took me about three months. And so in that time I heard a lot of different testimonies and I heard a lot of testimonies about how my life was going to change and stuff like that. So um, when I did finally receive the Holy Spirit, in the meantime I'd been baptised by full immersion about the third meeting I went to. So when I finally did receive the Holy Spirit, it was a Wednesday night out in the prayer line with a couple of brothers praying with me. I didn't actually even hear myself speak in tongues, but I went home thinking, well, something's happened. Let's see the changes it makes now. And so when I woke up the next morning, I actually felt brand new. I felt born again. It was that dramatic. And So what does feeling born again feel like? I just felt completely different completely different and I knew that I'd come in contact with the one and only true God Um, I knew I was on the right track because he'd confirmed that by filling me with the Holy Spirit and miracles just started to happen from that point onwards not the three months leading up to that but from that very time that I received the Holy Spirit and I had this amazing love in me which obviously the depression might have squashed out but I had this amazing love in me now for my family, my husband, my children. And, um, and it just flowed, like it just flowed out of me. And uh, I was just kind of floating on air for weeks, you know, with this amazing experience that had happened to me. And I just thought, well, the Bible talks in Mark 16 of believers having miraculous signs following them. And I thought, well, they, they must follow me now. So when either of you hurt yourself and it was you mainly I could just lay hands on you and pray in tongues and see you healed and one time that did happen very shortly after I got saved and that was you were scooting along on a little like push cart thing and you uh, come off and hit the corner of a cement step right in the middle of your forehead at full bore and you kind of just went to scream you took a big breath and went to scream and I laid hands on you and prayed in tongues straight away and you just didn't cry that was it it stopped and you had a great big egg come up in the middle of your forehead and I walked you through back to the uh, laundry to put a cold compress on it and there was a guy fixing the washing machine and he just couldn't get over the fact that you weren't crying with this horrible great big egg in the middle of your forehead and the next few days you come out with big black eyes and stuff so it was quite a wallop but I just knew then that you know I could start to put into practice the things that I saw uh, in the scriptures that you know was promised to believers and you know I saw your heels in a number of incidences and of course the first year of my walk in the Lord was pretty chaotic with um you know family and husband trying to stop me from going to meetings and I remember your father said that um, my mum come up to talk me out of it one time and I remember him saying to her she really has got something because for the first time he couldn't manipulate me like he used to be able to manipulate me and for the first time one of the most amazing things I found was that I could actually see him lying now which I never you couldn't see that you couldn't see that couldn't before. see that before and that's why he had so much sway over yeah. what happened in my life but I remember the first time he come in spinning me a story and I just thought mate you're lying to me and that's the first time I've ever been able to see it. And um, and so he knew from the very fact that he couldn't manipulate me anymore that something dramatic had happened and the fact that I was so happy. Um, and, and so he, did Grandma and Grandpa see any change in you? 
Yeah, they did, but they were kind of like that first three months before I received. They were trying to talk me out of it all the way along the line. And um, it was only when my dad was on his deathbed that he actually admitted that, yes, it really did something. Which is like 35 years later or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, 40 yeah. plus years yeah. later. I loved him to death, but gee, he was stubborn, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he was more than stubborn. Oh, yeah, he just, oh, I just had the feeling he hated God for some reason, and I don't know why, but, mm. but I think in the era they grew up in, it was like, yeah, there's a lot of people around like that at that stage. Mm. But So when you first received the Holy Spirit, you had some pretty dramatic things happen, didn't you? Yes. Yes, the very next day when I woke up um, and I had this uh, f- this amazing feeling of being in contact with God, I just realised when I got through about mid-morning that I hadn't had a cigarette. I was an extremely heavy smoker, so much so that if um, your father went off to work and left me no smokes and no money, I would smoke just about anything I could find. And I used to shove this old roll-your-own-tobacco down into a pipe and try and keep that alight. <laughs> That's how addicted I was to the stuff. And so how many how many packets of smokes were you taking? Oh, home? I'd smoke whatever was there. Yeah. Like if there was two packets, I'd smoke two packets. Yeah. Whatever. If there was one packet, I'd smoke. if there was old roll your own, I'd smoke that too. Yeah. So that was one of the most amazing things. And I thought, I don't feel like a cigarette. That can't be that easy. And so I actually tried to smoke a cigarette and I couldn't smoke it. So I put it out and the next morning I went through exactly the same procedure. And the third morning I went through exactly the same procedure before I realised that I'd had that addiction completely erased from my life by receiving the Holy Spirit. Had you tried to give up smoking before? I'd tried to give up twice before and I'd get to about six weeks and that was it. And you'd have all this stuff coming out of your lungs like it was a horrible experience. I never had any of that with this. It was like I'd never smoked in my life and I really believe my lungs were healed at the same time because I used to work in the medical school of the University of Adelaide and um, you had access to like the body parts museum there and out the back they had a room of diseased body parts and I've seen lungs black with tar so I know what's in the lungs when you're smoking. And so that stuff's got to come out somewhere. And when I received the Holy Spirit and God took that from me, it was like I'd never smoked before in my life and I had so much energy. and No breathing issues? No, nothing. Yeah. nothing coming out, mm. no coughing up anything, mm. nothing. So just like I'd never smoked. Cool. It was amazing. So, yeah, and, and amazing other things, like you just notice down the track that you weren't swearing anymore. Um, things like that started to happen. So, But miracles started to happen from the very moment mm. that I received the Holy Spirit. So so you're in there still trying to convince you not to go? Yep. What happened after that? Well, I think your father got them to come up and try and talk me out of it. And they all started firing questions at me and wouldn't let me answer and I got so upset. I ran out the house, all upset, and I was running around to the lady that brought me to the Lord and then I thought, no, I won't, I won't involve her in this. So I went back home, but I walked down the driveway and stood in the backyard and just started praying and saying, Lord, what do I do, what do I do? And I just had this amazing peace just come on my head and fall down my body. And by the time I got to my feet, I was just completely calm. I walked in and they all apologised. And we kind of never had that again. But, yeah, there was, there was ongoing issues for many years that they didn't like what I was involved in. Mm. And so 
what was happening with you know the bikey situation and all that sort of stuff? Oh. What was happening with that at the time? Right. Well, because we lived in a pretty rough place out at yeah Donington Road, Elizabeth North. I think when we we moved to Dubbo, wasn't there some article in the paper about yeah. it being the worst street in Adelaide? Yeah, and it was pretty wild. Always police cars going down the other end of the road. But um, when I got saved, that was your father's excuse to go and do something pretty radical, and so he quit his job and got involved with trying to set up a a shop full of bike parts. He got involved in motorbikes. Uh, I think it was a drug front because there were cops around there all the time. Um, So we had no income. He was registered as a business. We had no income. We had no money coming in for food or whatever. And I remember uh, one of the ladies in the assembly actually went around and, you know, asked for people to give us some food and she would come around with a box of food and we had our electricity cut off right in the middle of doing the washing and all sorts of things. And I remember going around to Pastor John's place, oh, jeez. And then when he found it, he said, oh, is that all? You know, we can fix that. So he kind of talked him into putting the electricity back on, paid the bill, rah, rah, rah. So things were pretty wild for the next year. Um, he got pretty involved in the bikies. He ended up bringing one of the bikie girls home to live. Um, Charming. <laughs> Charming. I was a pretty naive critter back in those days. But, um, yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but he brought this young girl home. She must have been about 17 maybe. And, um, you know, I gave up one of your kids' bedrooms for her to stay in there. And and uh, it was a bit wild. Like, Yeah, it was just strange stuff going on. It was just a strange situation and I... I remember saying to Pastor John, because she actually came along, um, your father and her actually came along and got baptised. They actually made a pact between the pair of them that they would see each other through and find out whether it was true or whatever. So they both came along, got baptised. And um, and then one night she disappeared and he went looking for her and he didn't come home either. So I started to get a bit, you know, like they're just using the situation. So I remember saying to Pastor John, oh, look, do I have to feel responsible for her salvation if I ask her to leave? And he said, I wouldn't have that type of woman in my house anyway. So um, that's kind of, I think, what was going on. But anyway, um, in the end what happened was I got quite sick with um, tonsillitis and I think the poison must have gone through my body because I couldn't function. And um, it was a weekend and um, you kids were down for an afternoon sleep and um, your father was going out for something, get down the shop or something, and I just said, look, don't be too long. I said, I just can't look after the kids. Um, I just need you to come back. And he didn't come back till the next morning. And so as soon as he walked in the door, I said, oh, look, that's it, I think. You kind of showed us where you stand. And he sat up all night, he reckons, with a mate of his who'd had a motorbike accident. Um, so I said, you've got a week to pack up your bags and leave. And um, so I went off to the meeting that afternoon and he rocked up at the end of the meeting. And Pastor John just finished talking and um, he looked up at the hall, which was in Elizabeth, quite a long hall, and he said, no, he said, I think I feel like preaching for a bit longer now. So he just spoke for a bit longer and then at the end your dad went down and had some prayer and whatever. We we weren't even sitting together in meetings. Things were so bad after that. So, But the last meeting he was ever going to come to, 
he received the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah. I bet you didn't expect that. No. <laughs> and I was sitting up the back of the hall. He was sitting down the front, and he just come back kind of shaking his head going, wow, wow. Mm. And... Um, he said, oh, I'm just going to go off for a ride in between meetings. He said, I'm just a bit overcome. And, and at the end of the meeting that night, he came back for the night meeting and he went up to Pastor John and he said, look, I'm a bit concerned that what happened to me was a leftover from what I was doing the night before. And Pastor John said, we'll just, we'll show you again. We'll just ask the Lord to show you again. And so he had another blessing from the Lord. So, And instantly our marriage was mended at that point, instantly. It was amazing. So I've heard, I've heard similar stories. So in an earlier episode of the podcast, we had Stefan Jusha from Switzerland yeah. who talked about their marriage being healed you know, yep. once they received the Holy Spirit. Um, did you recognise at that point that it was instantly healed yeah. overnight? Like you could see... Yeah, it was instant. And we just started doing things together. We were ah. just united mm. like we'd never been. So, Like united since the very beginning or...? Yeah, probably. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. probably. Just instant. And it lasted for about a month. <laughs> <laughs> Until? Well, I wasn't aware of what was going on, but I found out from his mates later that he started drinking again. And so he wasn't, he wasn't willing to make the stand yeah. um, against what he was doing before. And he, and he got delivered from a couple of things, but, yeah, he just fell back into his old ways, obviously. And so for the next month I didn't know what was going on. I knew there was a distance between us again and I could feel that and I couldn't understand what was going on being you and the Lord myself so as soon as he said look I'm not coming back to meetings anymore I said well that's basically the only hope our marriage has got really and so he left us after that and then I don't know what he was into or what he'd done or whatever but I remember being woken up in the middle of the night one night by some strange guy standing on my doorstep and I just said, doesn't live here anymore. And he said, oh, that's his car out there, isn't it? I said, no, no, that's my car now. And it had been paid for with a dud check as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, all sorts of funny things were going on. And then, um, yeah, and I think um, the next-door neighbour told me one time there were six bikies sitting on the front fence waiting for me to come home from a meeting. So, mm. But they were gone by the time I come home. So it's a bit of fun and games for the next year after that as well. <laughs> Most people who probably know you now would have no idea that you've come from that sort of background and that's your history and whatever. Um, and that's the thing I think that's most amazing about transformations, you mm. know, people's life transformations is you know, who they once were to you know, who God makes them into. Absolutely. Um, which is just phenomenal. One of the things that you know, I look back on over, you know, whether it was that period of time sort of later on or, you know, uh, right up until, you know, almost I left home, was that, you know, as a single mum, it's pretty tough. Hmm. And you obviously have to rely on the Lord for almost everything. Yep. Um, I don't think I've ever known anyone to pray as much or have as much faith as as you do. Um, but also a intense desire and commitment to be everywhere, like at everything, you know, I don't remember ever missing a meeting. We're always, you know, Tuesday nights, Friday nights, stuff on Saturdays, two meetings on Sundays. You know, we were just always there, mm. which is not an easy thing to do when you're a single parent. Mm. I knew that the Lord had saved me from death, mm. you know, so I knew that this was what I had to hang on to for the rest of my life. And I was so thankful, you know, I was just so thankful that the Lord had delivered me from the way I was. Yeah, so it was no hardship to me. It's no hardship to me at all. 
I just loved being around the Saints and, you know, like, because I went home to an empty house, basically, you know, your kids would have been in bed at night and whatever. So I spent a lot of time on my own. But, um, yeah, so I just look forward to the times that I could get together with the Saints. Mm. It was great. So you've got some other interesting things that God's done for you, which wouldn't normally fall into the category of great healings or other things that we often hear about. Tell me the story about the lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, the house we had in Elizabeth was never looked after properly. You know, the husband was never around. So Um, when... When I was finally left on my own, I decided I'd put in a front lawn to tidy the place up a bit. And um, so I went through the whole business of getting, you know, 10 tonne of loam delivered and raking it all out and rollering it all out and whatever, putting flags around, rah, rah, rah. And so that happened just before I went off to Christmas camp and um, the lawn was just starting to sprout. Um, We were down at camp for a couple of weeks um, and while we were down there we heard that there was a locust plague going through Um, Elizabeth and I kind of just said to God oh please don't let them eat my lawn not after all this work I've put into it and I never thought about it again until I was coming home and then there was still the odd locust hitting the windscreen as we're driving up the street and uh, when we got to my house like every every lawn down the street was dirt it had been eaten back to the dirt but my lawn was like six inches high Six inches high green grass. Very new green grass, very succulent green grass. Probably very tasty green grass to locusts, I imagine. (laughs) And the back lawn was uh, buffalo grass. That was gone. That was all gone. Um, And as we drove up the driveway, the neighbour came out and she said we couldn't believe it. She said we couldn't even see our lawns for locusts. Wow. But she said there wasn't one locust on your lawn. She said we even threw a couple over. She said they wouldn't wouldn't stay on your lawn. So what did you think of that time? Because that's, you know, that's one of those things you read in the Old Testament, you know, <laughs> that yeah, it's not something maybe people normally would pray for, I imagine. Well, and it wasn't a big prayer. It was just a little thought that I said in my head, you know. It was just something that, yeah, I just said in my head, oh, please, Lord, just don't let them eat my lawn. Um, no big prayers at all. So the Lord just heard that and honoured that. And what did that do to your faith at the time? Oh, was that was pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty amazing being a single parent i've prayed for some pretty amazing things i remember praying for the washing machine one time when it burnt out and it was just before easter time and we had to have clothes to go to easter camp um and i laid hands on it prayed over it (laughs) went out shopping don't get my mind off it when i come back it worked perfectly and then when we were moving to dubbo it conked out exactly the same way again and it was the motor the motor had actually burnt out Mm. so yeah, I saw some pretty amazing things like that back in those days. We were all poor. We prayed for amazing things. I wonder why we don't do it now. I mean, we pray for healings and we see wonderful healings yep. and wonderful provisions and, you know, miraculous things, but maybe people just don't share them. Well, it's not the kind of thing you get up and say in your testimony that many times, but, <laughs> yeah, if ever you get a strange testimony note, you'll get some of those. I might do that at my house meeting. You'll get some great things. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of them. Yep. It's just not something we talk about. We should. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, they're amazing. The Lord has promised to do amazing things for us. We just have to step out in faith. Mm, Very cool. Well, thank you, Mother, for sharing (laughs) your testimony. You're very welcome. It's nice to have someone (laughs) 
related on the uh, on the podcast. And it's an amazing testament. And look, you know, you know, I look back, you know, at our life and just see just amazing things, you know, the whole way along of yeah. great blessings, of great provision, yeah. of miraculous things that have happened. And that's obviously kept my faith, you know, for a long time. And you can just see that there's no coincidence here. There's no, you know, we were just lucky. There was no, there no, was none of that, right? No. And your you know, personal desire to stay strong has obviously been incredibly important for me. Um, mm. And I look back at that and just really admire, you know, your faith and your strength. Yeah. So, hmm. so you've got a favourite scripture that you're going to share. Um, yes, Isaiah 30. Verse 18. That's right. And um, it really brings it out in the Amplified. It's um, God talking to the children of Israel. They'd been backslidden for quite a while, but this is his attitude towards them. And it says, And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore he lifts himself up, that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, fortunate and to be envied are all those who earnestly wait for him, who expect and look and long for him, for his victory, his favour, his love, his peace, his joy and his matchless, unbroken companionship. Mm. Pretty amazing. And so why does that mean so much to you? I don't know. I think it's because, um, you know, I suppose we all know people who have decided not to walk on with the Lord. Mm. And that is just the Lord's attitude towards them, that if they are willing to turn back to him, that he will he's there. gather them up in his arms, basically. Mm. So. We've seen that plenty of times, haven't yes. we? Yes. Yeah. And we hold hope for others that uh, are loved by us that yes. uh, they do the same. We certainly do. Awesome. Thank you, Mother. Okay, cool. It's pretty amazing to think about the power that just one conversation can have on somebody's life. Had someone not come to tell mum about how God could change her life, I probably wouldn't be here today, which is a pretty sobering thought. I think it's upon all of us to share the amazing news that God's power is indeed available today, which is what this podcast is all about. Who knows what impact you will have on someone when you reach out to them. Maybe share this episode via text or email or jump onto Instagram or Facebook and share it through there. Just search for Revival on the Air today. If you want to know how God can change your life, then visit www.therevivalfellowship.com. Coming up in our next episode are a married couple from Canberra who share their amazing story with you. They've had life throw them so many challenges that I reckon they could be descendants of Job from the Old Testament. Until our next episode... God bless to all of our listeners from around the world.